It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. And I just can't believe that you keep missing me the way that you do. In the wreck, walked away without a scratch. Lord, it was nobody but you. My daughter's about to graduate with all A's, dancing new. The sun is shining brighter than it ever has. Ooh. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for that.
I need you right now, Lord. Mm, I'm 
calling your name Cause I need you, Lord, right now, Lord Well, sometimes I get tired And sometimes I get weak That's why I'm calling Call your, your name Cause I need you right now, Lord Yeah, I'm calling your name, cause I need you right now, Lord. Yeah, I'm calling your name, Lord, cause I need you, Lord, right now, Lord. Well, sometimes I get tired, and sometimes I get weak. That's why I'm calling Call your name, yeah, cause I need you right now, Lord. Mm, I'm praying this prayer right now, cause I need you, Lord, right now. I'm praying this prayer right now Cause I need you, Lord Well, sometimes I wake it up And sometimes I wake it up That's why I'm calling your Yeah, cause I need you Sing this song right now Cause I need you, Lord Lord, I'm singing this song right now Cause I need you, Lord
Stingray music. All good vibe. All right, all right, all right. I'll be back. I know y'all happy and everything, because I know y'all been missing me, right? Uh-huh. Don't everybody shout at once. I'm going to take that as a confirmation of yes. How about that? So, give me a hot second. Okay. All right, you. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Uh huh. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Uh huh. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Uh huh. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. All right. Rumble skiddy go, sun go, sun go, sun go, sun go, go, sun go, 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 Boskiri de Gossation, Randa Gossation, Gossaraka Daka, Bokoran de Gossation, Gossation, Gossan, Randa Gossation, Gadaka, Bokoran de Gossation, Gossation, Randa Gossata, Brand de Gossation, 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 Randa Gossadaka, Brand de Gossation, Gossation, Randa Gossada, Brand de Gossation, Gossation, Randa Gossadaka, and Rossation Daka, Haradaka, Ho Dedicate, yes, Father God, we praise our name. We seek thy face, come forth, move in, enter, Lord. Allow your word to enter into our spirits, souls, and bodies. Allow the anointing to manifest. Speak to us, Lord. Heal, reveal, increase whatever needs to be done, Father, so we can move in the full manifestation that you desire us to have. In Jesus' holy name I say, Amen. Okay, let's see what we're going to talk about this morning. Jesus and the marketplace. Jesus and the marketplace. Jesus and the marketplace. Jesus and the marketplace. Matthew quotes a reference to Jesus as the carpenter's son using the Greek word telkton. Telkton means artificer, craftsman, 
Mark quotes Mokes quote Mark quotes a similar reference which specifically refers to Jesus as a carpenter, a Texan. Neither Joseph nor Jesus were simple woodworkers. They were craftsmen, carefully making implements of wood. Ho ho ho, all right. What was Jesus' view of the marketplace? We t- tend to see him as antagonist as as Okay, let me stop and rewind. What was Jesus' view of the marketplace? We tend to see him as antagonistic toward it because he condemned the temple merchants and because of his radical suggestion that the wealthy young ruler should give away all of his possessions. Was he really hostile toward business and wealth? Exactly what was his attitude? Traditionally, we picture Jesus as a remote, more of a monk than a manager. However, because of the roles he embodied, ruler, teacher, businessman, he belongs in the marketplace even more than in a monastery. Jesus was in touch with the marketplace from the very beginning of his life on earth. He was born in a place of business, the stable of an inn, see Luke 2 and 7, and the angelic worship service to celebrate his birth took place in a nearby feedlot, Luke 2, 13 and 14. Rather than religious leaders, Jesus' first visitors were employees and small business owners. They were shepherds, Luke 2, 15 through 20, whom his parents received in the inn's parking lot. I point this out because the stable was the equivalent of a modern service station. It was used to dispense food, fuel to the mules and donkeys' vehicles that restored, that rested, parked there for the night. Each of these events could have happened in the temple or in its courts. Instead, God sovereignly chose secular venues. I believe this was intended to show God's heart for the marketplace, where sinners, the subject of his love, spend much of their time. It could also be that Jesus wanted to get in touch with the heart of the city, the marketplace, from the beginning of his earthly life. As he grew older, he identified even further by becoming a craftsman. We easily see Jesus as a teacher by virtue of how well he taught and because in the Gospels, he is referred to as a rabbi. We also recognize him as the ultimate ruler because he is the king of kings. However, picturing him as a businessman is what we have the most difficulty doing today. Yet, in the Gospels, the opposite was true. At first, Jesus was more recognizable as a businessman than a rabbi or ruler. Shortly after he began to preach, his neighbors in Nazareth asked, Is not this the carpenter's son, the son of Mary and brother of James? Jesus and Judas and Simon and not his sisters here with us, uh, they took offense at him, Mark 6 and 3. Please notice how Jesus' neighbor described him as by his occupation, the carpenter, but had difficulty seeing him as a credible teacher, much less, much less a ruler. Such possibilities caused them to take offense at him, perhaps because they could not accept a local businessman as a credible and spiritual matter. It was not difficult for those neighbors to see Jesus as a businessman since many may have engaged his professional services and purchased products made by his hands. A carpenter in biblical times was a builder who primarily used wood. Jesus did not do carpentry work occasionally or in his spare time, rather. Just like every boy in Israel, he was taught a trade in his teens, perhaps even earlier. This means that by the time of his baptism, he had been working at his profession for at least 20 years. He was not a mere 
apprentice, but a well-established art artisan. <coughs> I suspect that many of his neighbors are at tables made by Jesus and secured their homes with doors built in his shop. Their houses could have been could have had beams cut and fit by the Savior. Even some of their oxen may have been worn Jewish-made yokes. It is interesting to note that Jesus even drew his upon his experience as a craftsman when he taught and ministered to the multitudes. He was not simply using a catchy metaphor when he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 30 He knew exactly what he was talking about. Interesting. Okay, well, let's go back to here. It says, Jesus was in touch with the marketplace that he was born in the marketplace. I, I, I like how he identified the stable as a gas station because back then it was the same thing that they did. He said, the stable with Jesus, I'm going to go right here. Jesus was in touch with the marketplace from the very beginning of his life on earth. He was born in a place of business, the stable of an inn, an angelic worship service of celebrate his birth took place in a nearby field. Rather than religious leaders, Jesus' first visitors were employees and small business owners. They were shepherds whom parent, who uh, parents received in the inn's parking lot. I point this out because the stable was the equivalent of a modern service station. It was used to dispense food, which is fuel, to the mules, and dunkers, which is vehicle that rested there for the night. So Jesus was born in a gas station. He was born in a place where people came. The inn is like a motel. So he was born where people came to rest in the inn. There was no room in the inn, so that's a modern-day hotel. He they was born in the stable. Interesting. And then who came to see him? The shepherds. Employees. Interesting. Each of these events could have happened in the temple was, of course, instead God sovereignly used secular venues. I believe this intended to show God's heart for the marketplace where sinners, the object of his love, spent much of their time. It could also be that Jesus wanted to get in touch with the heart of the city, the marketplace, from the beginning of his earthly life. As he grew older, he identified even further by being a craftsman. Well, as the book pointed out in the beginning, the people spend more time in the marketplace than they do at church. So if God really wants to get in contact with his people, then he needs to go where they're at. And that's what he's doing. Now we get down to Jesus in business. Now we hear him often talking about him being a craftsman or a carpenter. Well, just knowing God and who he is, he would not be a jacklay because God deals with excellence. You can see him being a craftsman because he's not going to just throw something together and yaddle do. See, we call them jacklays in my trade. You know, those, yeah, some jacklay threw this up. That's not the character of God. So him being a craftsman, not it being a craftsman, and when I broke down the word carpenter, but what was the word, tekon? I'm going to find it real quick. Shit, I'm going to go to the Gandaka. Text, 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 text,
Now, the interesting thing with that, Sam, is that in order to be called a tradesman or a craftsman in the Hebrew language, you have to have had at least 20 years of the crafting trade to be there. Mm-hmm. 20, to, 20 to 25 years of the actual profession. That's what, that's the one thing that we have to take in consideration what God, God also did. All of the people that he had on his team we're going to hear in this book that were tradesmen or craftsmen of their craft, meaning that they have years of service mm. before he allowed them to be a part of his team of apostles. Mm. So it wasn't somebody that just jumped on and said, oh, I got a gift and then I'm going to use it. He had them, he, he only had those who were steered in their, in their, in their field to be a part of his team. Mm. So everybody who had a skill were was doing that skill years into the fact of him them being on his team. So they just go ahead. So you're saying that whatever particular area arena they had honed their gifts for years before God chose them to go forth to do that what he called them to do. Most definitely so. So even though they weren't quote unquote walking out ministering as we as we view it the the the, the priest, the rabbi, the the pastor or whatever, but they had to be doing something where they were at for God to even call or call them from that to another level. Correct, because he knew if they were accomplished in that field, it was easy for them to be accomplished in being fishers of men. That's why the book is going to teach us and tell us that. That's why he didn't send a Jew to the Jews. He sent a Jew to the Gentiles. He sent an educated man to the Pharisees. He sent this man somewhere else. He did not send the same type of people to their people of their likeness of their own kind. Hmm. He sent them to other places. Hmm. Interesting. That's very interesting. That's why the Bible says, for who is not honored in his own home? A prophet. Mm. But clearly, if a prophet goes somewhere else, he's received because they don't know him and he don't know them. And then if it is what God is saying, they could agree that this is truly from the God, from the Lord.
Okay, I'm back. Okay. So that's interesting. I like the way you, you you said that. I mean, that just showed us again. That's why, I mean, even that gets back to what we talked about being a good steward. You know, you got to take wherever you're at and put, you know, master it. Do what you're doing. Don't just have a desire. I'll, well, I want to do this, but where you're at, you're lackadaisical. You're, you're not doing anything. So, so you know, but you're dreaming about who you are, what you want to be, or you got all these dreams, but what are you doing where you're at? Are you maximizing the time that you have? Are you maximizing your effort, your energy? Your, are you really doing that, or are you just sitting back? Well, I want to do this, but I, I got to see. And see, that's what we do. And, and so even from what you're saying, Mark, that's how God is looking. He's looking at where you're at. He's looking at what are you doing what you have. And if you're sitting down here being lethargic, he, why should he give you many more when you're not maximizing what you have? Well, the apostleship was the pinnacle to some of their successes, even though they were educated. Now, I will give you the scriptures to support that. He says, if you were faithful for the few things, then for I will make you masters of many. The apostleship was the fact that they had masters of many because why? They had droves of people that they had to be responsible for, and then they had to themselves anoint others to basically go forward for to, for to end the apostleship. So at that point, whatever they were focused on as their small thing and their many, when they became a part of his team, that's when the 12 took over and turned the world upside down. That was their many. Mm. You know, now, now listening to you, and then I'm looking at it from a a business standpoint. I'm looking at it from a business standpoint. Somebody got a lot of background noise. Okay, you know, and, and when I'm saying from that, I'm I'm just coming from me. Let me say it like that. That's a better way to say it. You know, how can I say it? Okay, well, I I, I mean, okay, I, I, I that's why I forget it because I forgot exactly what I want to say. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, it was more the fact that I mean I could give you a description of your um your own your own small thing to where you are now, Sam. You had oh. you knew that that you well what about okay watch this Sam. You knew about the properties that you had. But what about the new property that you thought that you I thought you I think you said you thought you lost it. But you realize inadvertently that you still had it. Mm-hmm. You have been faithful over the few things, and then he's adding those things into the few to make it more. That's many. Mm-hmm. Now you can fix up the new building that you didn't think that you had, that you thought you lost, and that makes more revenue, more money from that in which you are you thought you could have or the potential, and then you have the client that you have now that write, wrote you a decent-sized check that allowed you to do some other things that you were able to do that you were not familiar with, but you always said that you didn't think that you didn't know how to, well, well you were you were stagnant in the area of getting contracts. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to worry about getting them because it's already in your lap now. Mm-hmm. That's few to many. 
and, and, and that actually ties on exactly what you were talking and came back to my remembrance. Because we will not, because we don't have the many, we won't act like we need to act. We say, well, I only got a little bit, and, and then we won't put our all into it. We won't do what we need to do. Well, it ain't but, okay, perfect example. Ain't but two or three people on the line. Okay, well, so I, I'm I'm not going to do this. I'm a, uh, no, no, no. You need to act like it's 20 or 30, however many it is, just because of the fact. And see, God is, first of all, you need to recognize God is training you. <laughs> that's, that's that's first and foremost. So it don't matter if it's two or three people on the line. Are you ministering to those two or three that God called you to minister to? You know, I, I often when I because at the times it runs through my mind, and I like, okay, Lord, ain't but why you got me doing? But you know what I refer to? I said, well, hold on, wait a minute. Pastor Mark ain't got ten people in this church, and they got well over a million dollars. So why? I know churches have got hundreds of people, and they ain't got twenty thousand. So shut up, boo. And that's what I tell myself. You know, he, he, Pastor Mark, he goes around the world doing what God's called him to do. I know some of y'all, they, they, they struggling to keep the lights on. So it's not about, and then I go back to, what about God? God uses the few to touch the many. So it's the, again, it's the attitude and how we deal with the few that we have. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Okay, Sam. His, his doorbell rang. He's, he's oh, okay. Oh, what I was about to say is that the Lord said when any two or more come together in his name, that is the, you know, you're, you're on your way. So it's about us being an obedient position. And then when you do get a big abundance of folks to come through, not to get overwhelmed and make it about us. All right, I'm back again. Okay, did you hear what I said? Huh? Did you hear what I said? Uh, no, I was on the other line. Okay. Um, what you was just saying, I said, even in the Bible, it states when any two or more come together and then in agreement. So right there shows that you don't have to have a whole bunch of folks. Mm-hmm. But don't get discouraged when you have a few. And mm-hmm. then don't get, don't get so overwhelmed when you get a lot and mm-hmm. then you start making it about you. It's about being available and in position and obedience. Mm-hmm. And out of that, if you've been doing that, 
God's been keeping his been keeping his part of the relationship. Mhm. Which he was already keeping his part of the relationship even before you became aware that you needed him. So we can't get caught up in the image or the numbers. Mm-hmm. But to stay focused and follow the order of what he wants to take our journey, what he purposed us for, and also to be a disciple. To let his will be shown and be put forth. Mm-hmm. And seeing that's what people get in their stuff. It's like, well, they ain't coming, this, that, nothing. As long as you do your part, you're good. The other part, how they treat it, that's on them, and that's what they got to answer to. You can only answer for your obedience, for your availability, and God will take it from there. Mm-hmm. But if you do something nice for somebody or live yourself, and they treat you like trash, that's not on you. Now, for you to be obedient to him and what he calls you to do, and you don't do it, that's on you. I know also um, when you were talking made me think about um, another thing about with small compared to large when you're small, that has that gives you a, a opportunity to work the kinks out, to set up systems. So even though you might be small, you have the mindset of the next level. So now you're not just dealing with what's in front of you. You're dealing with what's in front of you, but you're also thinking about the future, and the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal you strategies for how you can grow and manage that. Because now, because if you get a whole lot of people, a whole lot of increase, period, if you don't have the infrastructure, see, that's what they call it in the business world. If you don't have the proper infrastructure, then you will crumble and fail. So, again, with the small, that allows you the opportunity to develop the systems, infrastructure, or whatever terminology you want to have, but not, but you that allow you to 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 in, to develop that so that you can govern and manage when the overflow comes. Well, well, see, the other thing to that, Sam, is that I go to work every day, and I, and I and I and I make the conscious decision to do so on my own because um, when I was at work doing office work in my scrubs, I wasn't treated as such. But when I made the decision to make the distinction between me taking care of him and me being an executive, I started to change my clothes. Mm. And it didn't have to be me being dressed up, but I wasn't in scrubs. So she took in mind, oh, he's working today. He's not taking care of her husband. So therefore, she entreated me different. And these are things that I've learned over time where I used to go to work with my um, sandals on. If I'm in my scrubs, I do. But in my um, when I'm working, I put on a pair of Sperry's dress shoes or some, some decent dress shoes, whoever. Mm-hmm. Because why? 
you're going to understand. Because like a couple of days ago, I I, um, I don't know what I had on, but she's like, well, where are you going after this? I said, no, I'm at work. She's like, well, you normally don't get this dressed up. I said, well, you know, some days I do differently. But I said, I mean, I do put on civilian clothes. She said, well, yeah. But she said, well, what do you have to do with you not staying with us dressed up like that today? I said, I am. She's like, oh, because I'm preparing myself that I might have a pair of sandals underneath my desk when I you know, ain't nobody in there. I put them on. <laughs> but right. I prepare myself that you are a hospital executive. That's what you're doing right now as an executive every day that you're at work. Because even when I'm there taking care of him, I'm still strategizing on what needs to be happening for the days that I need to do so, the other days coming up. Right. Or when I'm emailing um, John Hancock, or when I'm emailing the agencies or scheduling appointments to basically figure out how to get these bills paid, mm-hmm. or when I'm returning something that we don't need that they say that it's a 30-day 30 um, 30 um, return policy, but I have to figure out how I can save money into this house where we can use that $300, $300 for something else. Mm-hmm. So I am training myself now for the little things so when I get – more than a million dollars to govern, I know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Because right now, a million dollars is not a small thing to be worried about or be to, to, to think about. But that's how I, that's what I have to protect to make sure that I save every dollar of it that we have to make sure that he lives. So at that point, I have to make sure when I get to the next stage, the next stage will be more than a million dollars that I have to govern. It's not mine, but I protect it as if it's mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's, that ensures my job. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the places where we are on focus on smaller things, we get to the place where we focus on those small things and take care of those small things, and then you could be added, add those things and be added onto it. Because I think that you said it, or Erica said it, or both of you guys said it, that my job is to basically keep Mark centered in God because I will need to be able to function in chaos and make the right decision. The, the, it says it clearly. The more money you have, the more problems you got. <laughs> so I need to be able to focus and function in a situation where other people might lose their cool, and I'm learning to do that in front of her as well as by myself, not get frustrated, not tell them what monkey butt to jump up in. It just makes you deal with it. I made a I called one company five times, so I finally got the answer I wanted. They kept on saying they didn't want to meet. They kept on saying that they weren't going to do this. They kept on saying that they were going to do that. They charged her twice for a bill. And I told them, I get the fact that we have a balance due, but you can't charge me twice for something that I've already paid for. I said, that's just like the, um, the, the, the power company. You're paying the bill for March, but then in April they make you pay for another March bill. But because you paid it, they're not going to give you your money back. No, you can't do that. And just because there's a balance does not justify the fact that you billed her twice. <laughs> But instead of me getting frustrated, I, I, I 
flipped it around on them and basically showed them how would you feel not being the one who has provided the service but needing the service to be provided to you, and then you'd be mistreated like that. How would you then like it? Mm. Oh, no, I wouldn't like it at that point. So how do you think that she's supposed to accept it just because there's a balance at the end? Then they don't want to talk. But I'm showing them that. I, and I told them I have to I have to protect my client just like you protect your corporation. Mm. Mm-hmm. The same way you protect Homestead is the same way that I'm going to protect my family. Mm-hmm. My interest is their interest. Your bone is that bill. But my interest is this dog that needs the bone. <laughs> so until you understand that my interest is more important than yours, you can send that to collections all you want to. But how do you threat, threaten a millionaire with collections? <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to tell you, I told him, I said, um, sir, you threatening me with collections means nothing. What I was really telling him, I'm a colored boy. <laughs> what pal are you going to? <laughs> Where do you want him to go to? Because you're not scared about collections. I said, one thing I know for sure, and I told him, I said, if you sell their debt to collections, one, you won't get any money from it, and two, I can negotiate to pay a third of that. So how much money do you really think that she's going to spend on that collections bill? He hurried up and shut his mouth and left me alone. But it's just the idea that I am governing their money as if it's mine, and one day I will have it, period. All righty. Jesus, the profitable entrepreneur. No, I'm going to back it up. We used to see Jesus as a teacher by virtue of how well he taught, and because in the gospel he referred to as a rabbi. We also recognize him as the ultimate ruler because he is king of kings. However, picturing him as a businessman is what we see the most difficulty doing today. Yet, in the gospel, the opposite was true. At first, Jesus was more unrecognizable as a businessman than that of a rabbi ruler. Shortly after he began to speak, to preach, his neighbors in Nazareth asked, Is this not the carpenter's son, the son of Mary, and brother James and Jesse and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense in him, Mark 6 and 3. Now, if that don't sound uh, familiar, <laughs> tell me what does. And they took offense in him. Please notice how Jesus' neighbor described him by his occupation, the carpenter, but had difficulty seeing him as a credible teacher, much less a ruler. Such possibilities caused them to take offense in him, perhaps because they could not accept a local businessman as credible in spiritual matters. How are you going to tell me about the Bible and you got a nail or hammer in your hand? What you know about the Bible? Those that know about the Bible, they're up there, you know, teaching or preaching or, or whatever on TV or something. Here you are going to talk to me about you. You know what? Oh, yeah, I'm going to just leave that on. 
It was not difficult for those neighbors to see Jesus as a businessman since many may have engaged his professional services and purchased products made by his hands. A carpenter in biblical terms was a builder who who primarily used wood. Jesus did not do carpentry work occasionally or in his spare time, rather. Just like every every other boy in Israel, he's taught, taught a trade in his teens, perhaps even earlier. This means that by the time of his baptism, he had been working as a profession for at least 20 years. He was not a mere apprentice, but a well-established artisan. I suspect that many of his neighbors are at tables made by Jesus and secured their homes with doors built in their shops. The houses could have had beams cut by and fit by the Savior. Even some of them may have worn Jesus' made yokes. It is interesting to note that Jesus even drew upon his experience as a craftsman when he taught a minister to the multitude. He was not simply using a catchy metaphor. <sighs> Excuse me. When he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. Matthew eleven twenty nine thirty. 30. He knew exactly what he was talking about. And it's funny because until now, I always think, whenever I thought about a yoke, I always thought about it being... Leather or something like that. I never really identified it being as um, wood. So that's just interesting. Jesus did not merely do carpentry as a hobby. He had learned to trade in order to make a living, and this required that he had to run his shop at a profit. Ooh. Felicia, you listening to this? I hope you are. Yeah, I just called you out. His daily business routine likely included the calculation of the cost of goods and labor, the interplay between supply and demand, the establishing of competitive pricing, the measurement of potential return on his investment, the estimation of maintenance costs, and the replacement of equipment. Even though it may be unusual, even uncomfortable, for us to picture Jesus working to make a living, this is precisely what he did for most of his adult life. I'm going to read that again. Because just, again, why I say what's the difference between having a job and running a business? Pay attention. And why do I need to make a profit? Why do I need to charge for what I do? You need to eat. All that up. Yeah, let's be realistic. You need to eat. You got bills to pay. Get up out of your fantasy island living and come down to reality. Go ahead and give away all your goods and services. Oh, no, I ain't going to go there. I'm going to leave that alone. Jesus did not merely do carpentry as a hobby. Excuse me, Sam, one second. You have to go there for the simple fact is it goes back to when the um the when the prudent when the when the um when the master gave his three mm. a bag of gold, I believe it's two bags of gold and five bags of gold, correct? Mm-hmm. The one who the one who didn't do nothing got the worst treatment from the master because he said, I didn't ask you to be prudent and worry about my money because I was fine. Mm. 
the ones who just basically buried it and just said, I'm just going to give it for free, and I'm just going to save this because I'm afraid to lose this, mm-hmm. got the worst treatment from the master versus the ones who doubled and who who, who made two and then doubled their money. Mm-hmm. So you have to go there because why? The master expects of you to bring an increase to what he has given. That's why he gave it. There should always be a harvest to something that's a gift or that something that has been planted. If you basically just have that one thing, one gift that was given to you and you haven't tried to do nothing with it, there's a problem. So you, I'm not telling you to get anybody. I'm just saying you have to expound on that because that's the responsibility. If you have a gift, how you get more of them is because you have to explore the one that you have. And if it's not being explored or, or, or done anything by, you're not going to get nothing out of it. And he's going to look at you like, what, did you, what have you been doing? Mm. I see. And then the thing is, too, and uh, TD pointed this out, he gave this to them, and there was an, there was an unspoken expectation because he did not tell them to do it, but when he came back, he reprimanded that him who didn't. So that means he had an expectation to for you to take what I've given you and go out and use it. You that means now wait a minute now hold up now. In order for you to take what I've given you, and I have an expectation for you to use it, that means I've been paying attention to you, and I know that you're qualified. That means I know because from me being the master looking at the servant and what you've been doing, then even for me to give it to you, because you ain't going to just give your money to any servant. So I understand that you are gifted and skilled enough to take what I'm giving to you, and I trust you to manage it. I expect you to manage it because I know you've been paying me attention. So what am I saying? The master is watching us. He knows what we've been giving, and when we don't walk out on it, that's our fault. We're not. He 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 already see. He, he already knows that you're qualified. Now, when you choose not to do anything with it, that's when the reprimand comes. Jesus did not merely do carpentry as a hobby. He had learned to trade in order to make a living, and this required that he had to run his shop at a profit. You, you know that uh, even 501c3s, they, they, they try to make money too. The non-for-profit tries to make a profit. That's basically a designation that allows you tax benefits, people. So just come on, we get we got to change our understanding. Now, this is the difference between being an employee and employer. Because, see, an employee, you come in there and you do whatever it is that your specific assignment is. An employer, this is what he had to do. His daily routine likely included the calculation of the cost of goods and labor, the interplay between, between supply and demand, the establishment of competitive pricing, the measurement of potential return on his investment, the estimation of maintenance costs, 
and the replacement of equipment. Okay, let me go back through this again. His daily business routine includes the calculation of goods and labor. In other words, it's going. I got just like my guys. I got to pay them for a certain amount of hours. It's going to cost my material. I my material might cost five dollars over here. It might cost four fifty, but I might not be able to get it at the at the four fifty. So I got to estimate the five dollars. This is business. You ain't cheating nobody. It's business. And you want to know what? Look at any other company. There's a markup on the product. I see all the stuff I had to learn. And this is what you, as a businessman or woman, you need to get this understand. Why? Let me let me break down. Why is there a markup on the product? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you why. Because first of all, I'm gonna pay three dollars for the product. How did I get it? I had to spend time to go buy. It. Well, I had it shipped to me. Okay. So you had it shipped to you. Now you paid three dollars for it. Now it's gonna sit until you get ready to use it. Your three dollars is tied up. See, this is the stuff you got to learn. Why you again? Why you got to divorce your old way of thinking? This is how businessmen and women who are successful think. I ain't talking about the average person. You no, know, average person starts a business, fails. Simply put. So now, if you want to be successful at whatever it is God is calling you to do, then you need to change your way of thinking. Well, I don't know. Okay, then you should continue to be a failure. And then when you ain't got no money, you lose your everything because I was trying to, no, no, change your thinking. That's the purpose of all this. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable, whatever, get over it. It's also uncomfortable when you lose everything. It's also uncomfortable when they come and take your stuff, move, move your car, get your lights cut off. Yeah, see, I need you to go there so you can get up out of the rut of that, that thinking and the way of doing things. His daily business routine likely includes the calculation of cost of goods and labor, the interplay between supply and demand, the establishment of competitive pricing because, nah, who is your market? Who are you going against? You know, people, everybody's looking for a deal. So all this, all this plays a part as far as your work. The measurement of potential return on investment. The estimation of maintenance costs and the replacement of equipment. See, all this is what a business owner has to think of. Why it's such a huge transition for you to go from a job to a being a business owner? Because see, now all this other stuff comes to play. Whereas before, you got your job, you go in and you do it and you leave. Even though it may be unusual, even uncomfortable for us to picture Jesus working to make a living. This is precisely what he did for most of his adult life. Most of his adult life. Well, he was a son of... You know what? Jesus had to come down here and wear this flesh suit. He had to experience everything that man experienced. So he had to work. He had to sweat. The only thing is he went through everything that we went through, but he did not sin. So now, he had to experience the, the working. Why? Because the ground was cursed. He could not violate any of God's commandments because he was the son of God. He had to experience everything that we experience, do everything we do, except he overcame the world. That's the difference. 
In fact, Jesus was not a small-time carpenter who worked only when he was short of money. Oh, you know what? We're about to get you. We're about to slice and dice now. Got to. Because in other words, I can't do it when it's convenient for me. Hmm. When I feel like it. Hmm. When the possibility, you know, okay, I'll go do it today. I, uh, uh-uh. that ain't how he did it. Jesus was not a small-time carpenter who worked only when he was short of money. Early in his ministry, his neighbors described him as the carpenter's son, Matthew 13 and 55. And the carpenter, Mark 6 and 3, if his father Joseph had already passed away, then Jesus, as the firstborn male, would have been running the family-owned business. His brothers would have been his junior associates, and his mothers and sisters would have played supportive roles. This was no small shop, but one large enough to provide a living for the family of eight or more. Mm. 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 We want to break that down a little bit? Because now let's even go back in the olden days when, when the father would pass away and the son would not go to education because he had to work in the field. Hmm. I got to support the family. So the oldest would go to work so his brothers and sisters could go to school. Come on now. Come on. See, because we're not living in that era does not mean that this is not reality. We know we're not too far away of what our parents or grandparents have done. So this is very realistic. In fact, Jesus was not a small-time carpenter who worked only when he was short of money. Early in his ministry, his neighbors described him as the carpenter's son, Mark, Matthew 13 and 55, and the carpenter, Mark 6 and 3. If his father, Joseph, had already passed away, I got to go there, Mark. You just hit me on something. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. If his father Joseph had already passed away, then Jesus, as the firstborn male, would have been running the family-owned business. His brothers would have had played supportive roles. His brothers would have been junior associates, and his mothers and sisters would have played supportive roles. This was not a small shop but one large enough to provide a living for his family of eight or more. See, this is why we can't be God. It talks about Jesus' father passing away. And why did I call Mark when I said that? Because Mark said something with me, him, and Erica on the line the other day in regard to our parents and us having particular parents. When Jesus' father passed away, Jesus was thrust to become the man of the house. He was put in a situation where he had to step up. Jesus. And provide and do because his family needed it. He didn't have the luxury of sitting back because mama needed to eat. 
Yeah, babies and sisters need it. What am I saying? God took away his father to make Jesus grow up. That's why I say we can't be God. He knew that in order for Jesus to be fully prepared to what his divine assignment was, that he had to shift his family structure in such a way that he was forced to again to walk and to seek and to lean on God and his word again because he had to walk this walk as a man. So now he is forced to tap into the spirit as a man to seek divine help as a man to trust God as a man. So now think about yourself in the situation and circumstance. Think about when God takes something away from you. Think about when God makes you uncomfortable. Because he knew that if you remain where you are at, you would not produce a harvest. You would not produce a fruit for his kingdom purposes. Over there. So, again, that's why I say we can't be as God. We can't think as God thinks. We can't do as God. His thinking is so way more advanced than ours. That's why it's important that we just learn to say, say yes, obedient, and submit. Labor was a central part of Jesus' early life. According to Jewish, Jewish tradition, as a rabbi, he had, to, he had to master a trade and exercise it honestly to support himself to be able to teach for free. Jesus' instruction to others that it more blessed to give than to receive, which was, which was quoted by Paul, Acts 20 and 35, indicated that he had the means to acquire goods to be given away since he definitely practiced what he preached. Let me read that again. Labor was a central part of Jesus' earthly life. According to Jewish tradition, as a rabbi, he had to master a trade and exercise it honestly to support himself to be able to teach for free. Hmm. 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 So in other words, I'm giving of myself from what God tells me for free, but I still, again, got to be able to eat. People ain't going to pay me for something that's worthless. People, when I say that, what do I mean? What do I mean by that? People are not going to pay me for, are you going to go buy that, that, that $20 table or that $250 table? Well, let me see. You might buy the $20 table when it's all you got but you really desire that $250 table. But you're not going to buy that $250 table when you look at it. It's scratched up, beat up, and it's about to fall. So that $250 table that you're trying to charge $250 is only worth the $20? No, no, they ain't going to pay it. So what is he saying? He had to be at a level in his trade that was qualified him to be able to charge what was needed so it could support him to go to do what God called him to do. Yep. I hope you're listening, Felicia, because, yeah, I'm messing with you some more. Well, I ain't messing with you. I'm just reading out the book. Labor was a central part of Jesus' earthly life. According to Jewish tradition, 
As a rabbi, he had to master trade and exercise it honestly to support himself to be able to teach for free. Jesus' instruction to others that it's more blessed to give than to receive, which was quoted by Paul, Acts 20 and 35, indicated that he had the means to acquire goods to be given away since he definitely practiced what he preached. And I'm just going back to, to um, well, who was the thief amongst them, the one that turned him over? I can't think of Judas. Judas being the thief. Well, it had to be enough money in there for him to steal, because if not, there would have been no money. I'm just saying. The picture of an ecstatic hermit like Jesus did not emerge from the scriptures. Rather, it comes from distorted human traditions. It is true that he spent long hours alone in prayer, but he usually did this at night, Matthew 14, 23, Luke 6, 12. During the day, he interacted with all sorts of people and had conversation incorporated a very diverse combination of business topics. He was definitely a very well-informed person and one who acquired information through direct exposure to people and situations. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see what this is. Jesus, the marketplace connoisseur. Let's see what he's talking about here. Jesus' parables show that he was thoroughly familiar with the marketplace and its operations. His examples dealt with Matthew 7, 24-27, construction, Luke 5, 37-38, winemaking, Mark 4, 2-20, farming, Matthew 13 and 44, treasure hunting, Matthew 18, 12-14, ranching, Matthew 21-16, management and labor, Matthew 21, 28 through 31. Family-owned businesses. Luke 29 through 19. <clears throat> Hostile takeovers. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Return on investments. Luke 12, 16 through 21. Futures market. Mark 13, 27 through 32. Crop yield. Luke 12, 35 through 48. Management criteria. Luke 14, 24 through 35. The need for observation and research. Hmm. Luke 15, 11 through 16. Misuse of money and bankruptcy. Luke 16, 1 through 13. The advantage of leverage. Oh, Father God, there you go. Ooh, that one got me there. Luke 19, 11 through 27. Venture capital and high-risk situations. I'm going to read all those again. I'm going to just read them. I ain't going to read the scriptures. Though. If you want me to read the scripture, I'll read the scriptures. I don't want Erica talking. Give me the scriptures. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. See <laughs> what I'm talking about? See what I'm Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Construction. Luke 5, 37 through 38. Winemaking. Mark 4, 20, um, 2 through 20. Farming. Matthew 13 and 44. Treasure hunting. 
Matthew 18, 12 through 14. Ranching, Matthew 20, 1 through 16. Management and labor, Matthew 21, 28 through 31. Family-owned businesses, Luke 20, 9 through 19. Hostile takeovers, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Return on investments, Luke 12, 16 through 21. Futures markets, Mark 13, 27 through 32. Crop yield, Luke 12, 35 through 48. Management criteria, Luke 14, 24 through 35. The need for observation and research, Luke 15, 11 through 16. Misuse of money and bankruptcy, Luke 16, 1 through 13. The advantage of leverage, Luke 19, 11 through 27. Venture capital and high-risk situations. Hmm. I think about it. Many of Jesus' miracles took the form of business wonders. He produced a tremendous return on a young boy's investment by turning a few fish and loaves into a complete meal for thousands of people. The transformation of water into wine belongs in the same category, John 2, 1 through 10, and illustrates Jesus' sympathy for those in charge of catering. Mm. His instructions leading to two miraculous catches of fish are the modern are the modern equivalent of an insightful stockbroker's advice. Mm. Luke 5, 1 through 14, John. John John 2, 1 through, John 21, 1 through 16. Peter and his crew, all professional fishermen, must have sold that catch for a significant profit since it was the only fish in town that day. Mm. Furthermore, when tax time came along, Jesus gave Peter a hot tip that enabled him to catch a fish that had a coin in his mouth that was worth enough to cover the tax bill for both Jesus and Peter, Matthew 17, 24-27. Jesus interacted liberally with poor people, yet he was no stranger to the upper, upper end of society. While he was still a toddler, the Magi visited him. These men, wealthy professionals speculating in specialized in astronomy, medicine, and natural science, presented expensive gifts. Jesus was often the guest of honor at parties offered by wealthy people, Luke 11, 37, 14, 7, and 19 and 5. One rich man, Joseph of Marathethia, provided a deluxe burial for Jesus, a tomb hewn out of rock instead of the ordinary ones dug in the ground, Matthew 27, 57 through 60. Joseph, along with Gamaliel and Nicodemus, was a member of the Sanhedrin. This influential institution was the modern equivalent of the Chamber of Commerce, the Yells Club, the President's Roundtable, all rolled into one. This illustrates a point often misused. Jesus befriended the wealthy as well as the poor. I'll cover this more in Chapter 5. The notion that Jesus was perpetually broke is not scriptural. Mm. A group of wealthy women is reported as, fun, as funding Jesus' ministry. This is mentioned right after he and the twelve became itinerant preachers, Luke uh, 8, 1 and 3. This had, may have become necessary because, in, oh, what is this word, itinerant preaching must have been taken 
must have taken them away from their regular job. Drawing from their private funds, these women contributed to the support of Jesus and the Twelve, Luke 8, 2-3. Evidently, these women who had significant wealth, this was extraordinary, they were women, and they had private personal wealth. Given the way the women were perceived and treated in Jesus' time, this combination was very unusual. Why would Jesus allow the women to help? It was part of his pattern to reach out to people in the marketplace for support instead of relying upon the religious system of that day. Mm. Wow, I got to stop right there. Relying on God rather than religion. He chose not to rely on the quote-unquote religious systems and do things the way that they deemed needed to be done, but to trust God. And allow God to work it the way that God deems it needs to be worked. That in and of itself is huge because so often we try to restrict God to come from this particular vein or it's got to manifest this way or it's got to, or it doesn't look like this, it doesn't act like this, then I can't take it. Really? You better learn how to accept your blessings because you don't know where they're coming from. I was just on the phone. Well, actually a couple of times because my truck is in the shop again. But anyway, um, um, childhood friend grew up with. He called. He was with my mechanic, cause all you know members of the family. And he said, "Hey man, this is such and such." Oh, what's up, man? Talked you out. We talked briefly. What? Okay, yeah. And so anyway, he said, well, uh, "You want a rack for the van?" I said, oh. "You talking about a rack?" I said, "Well, you, yes." I said, "Well, what you want for it?" I'll give it to you. I said, "You what?" Yeah, I come across them all the time. I just give it to you. Oh, well, okay, but praise God. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. And I was like, wow, look at God work. I needed one. I, I mean, you know, on the list of my priorities of getting things done, it was nowhere near on the table. But God chose to move in that way. And then when I responded by praise God, that prompted him to say, now that's what I'm talking about. See, God was all in that scenario. I knew nothing about it. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I needed one, yeah, but again, with all the needs I got going on, that was nowhere need to be done. But God chose to move at that time in that way. So what am I supposed to do? No, nah, man, this is what we do. See, this, see, we ain't going to say it, but this is what we do because, no, nah, I'm good. No, nah, I'm going to wait till I got the money. I I, I, I ain't quite. See, that's, that's us talking. That's pride talking. That's flesh talking. You got to learn how to get up out yourself, and when God sends you a blessing, say, praise the Lord. Take it and thank you, Jesus, and keep moving. See, you get mad when somebody don't want to take something that God has instinctively told you to give to them and they don't want to take it. What is, we're cutting off their blessings. So, again, these are transitions that God is making in each and every one of our lives. We have no idea how God's choosing to manifest, how God's choosing to, to, to bless, how, how God's choosing to move. We're just reading about this man is breaking down that Jesus was was born in Motel 6, and they came and they put him in the garage because the Motel 6 was full, 
And then they came and looked for him. Well, ain't no room in Motel 6. He's in the garage right next to the gasoline and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, uh, the this freezer where we store the food and the, um, and the, and the gas. That's basically what he just explained to us. See how things we need we need to get a better understanding of how God moves. And again, why is he choosing to go to Motel Six? Because that's where he know everybody hanging out at. That's where those who need to be healed, sick, who really need God, not religion. Hmm. Yeah, and when, he's not afraid of to be around. Woo, come on now. He ain't worried about the he ain't worried about the party contaminating him. Matter of fact, he gonna he gonna change the, the atmosphere of the party. Mm. All right now, I think I'll just keep reading. How about that? You know what? Um, hello, Hi, um, How you doing, girl? Yeah, I've heard you call my name several times, and I, I was going to stay on mute, but, you know. I'm not, Love you. I'm not trying to deal with you today, sir. No, I'm not. But um, I felt compelled, so anyway, I'm going to bed. Um, but we, as you were reading, it was it was... It was basically confirmation, revelation, whatever you want to call it, whatever name you want to put to it. But I've heard it before, and it didn't click until just now. And there was a, a guy at my church that said, he said, go out into the highways and byways. All the ministry from the Old to the New Testament did not happen in the church. We, as the people of God, have got it messed up. We got it twisted. The church was never meant to be where you go to get the word of God. The word of God was supposed to go out to compel the people to join the church which is you, the individual, not the church building. So it's us being in business, and I get it, the serving, the business, whatever you want to call it, is meant, that is the ministry. Like you were saying about Christ being a carpenter for at least 20 years and how you know, he went active, active into his ministry because, again, people knew he could he, he created miracles. People knew that, I'm quite sure, because from the beginning, before he even started his ministry, how he turned the water and the wine, it's not like they didn't know he wasn't the one that did it. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like they didn't know who he was, but now that he was actually being active, active in his ministry, that's when people started looking at him different because before they thought it was just 
up, you know, he dabbled. But now he went full-time. How dare you go full-time when we know what you were before you decided to start calling yourself that's and so. I mean, look at how man is now. As long as we stay in our quote-unquote lane, you could be a prophet, but as long as you don't prophesy, that's fine. If you if you say something that sounds enlightening, that's good. But when you actually go into your office, when you actually start walking in the purpose, that's when people start. Well, you know what? No, I knew you before you decided to get all holy with it. So now you want to act like, well, no, I was acting like this before. So why is it an issue now? Because now I'm actually in your lane, and now you see me prospering in what I'm called to do. Now you got an issue with me. As long as we're not doing, thank you, Lord. As That's where I got to. I'm going to be transparent. That's another thing for me. I don't like being the center of attention. I don't like being, you know, I don't, that that negativity is what I got to get. I got to get that out of me. Like what you were saying, what we were talking about yesterday, that's another thing. I don't like having negativity directed towards me when I'm trying to do something. But that means I need to get over myself. It's not personal. Again, it's just business. So it's like you're in the business that God gave you, and that's going to be positive and negative. But it's in the business that you're doing your ministry. It's not about the church. It's about your business, because as you're drawing people to your business, you're letting God be shown in the integrity of your business and letting your light so shine. And then in doing that, those people will go to Christ. Those people will be drawn to the light, and then God will give the increase, not only in you but for them, to show that you know, that it is approved what has been sold. And that's all I got. I'm going back on the All righty then. I love you. not a hermit, but one who operated with great comfort in the marketplace and who was known to have done honest work for a living. This is also true of his disciples. The notion that Jesus and his followers extracted themselves from society cannot be sustained from the scriptures. Jesus, a businessman for more than 20 years, recruited people from the marketplace in order to bring the kingdom of God to, to, uh, the kingdom of God to sinners everywhere. They led intense and normal lives and, and did not they led intense and normal lives and not once did they dichotomize labor and spiritual matters. 
The relationship between labor and worship is important because work in the Bible is never presented as non-spiritual. Come on. Hey. Matter of fact, you know what? <laughs> it almost made me say something. Mm. I'll just read that again and keep my mouth shut. I ain't going to keep it shut. The relationship between labor and worship is important because work in the Bible is never presented as non-spiritual. In fact, God introduced labor, subduing and ruling over the earth before worship, Genesis 1 and 28. He did not do it because labor was superior to worship. Rather, he did it because in the garden, labor was worship. Mm. Being steward over God's creation was the way Adam and Eve communed with God, especially when he came down in the cool of the day to check on their affairs. See, now he done broke some stuff down. Wow. Mm. Mm. I'm going to read that again. The relationship between labor and worship is important because work in the Bible is never presented as non-spiritual. In fact, God introduced labor, subduing, and ruling over the earth before worship. Genesis 1 and 28. He did not do it because labor was superior to worship. Rather, he did it because in the garden, labor was worship. Being stewards over God's creation was the way Adam and Eve communed with God especially when he came down in the cool of the day to check on their affairs. God came to inspect to see what they were doing. Were they maintaining the garden that he had given them charge over? This is before sin in the world. I'm just coming. See, that's what a good boss does. People do what is inspected, not always what is expected. So... He was coming to inspect to see what they were doing, how they were doing it, the way they're doing it correct, what changes could be made. I'm just saying that from a, you know, natural perspective. But that's, again, in, in tune with what we're talking about. It lines up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, after seeing it contaminated the soil, now see, now it's really about to give them bad. Now see, before they just had to check on the garden, all was cool. Basically, just came in there, they got a little bit of something to eat, chill, whatever. Oh yeah, oh no, because sin hadn't yet entered into the world, so the labor was probably minor, probably very, very minor. They didn't have to water, they didn't have to till, none of that. Because the the dew came up from the ground every night, so they had to have to do that. They had to weed just minor. Again, sin had not yet entered into the world. Weed is contaminated, so why would it be there in the garden? The relationship between labor and worship is important because work in the Bible is never presented as non-spiritual. In fact, God introduced labor. Subduing and ruling on the earth before worship, Genesis 1 and 28. He did not do it because labor was superior to worship. Rather, he did it because in the garden, labor was worship. Being stewards over God's creation was the way Adam and Eve communed with God, 
especially when he came down in the cool of the day to check on their affairs, Genesis 3 and 8. Furthermore, after sin had contaminated the soil, God pointed so labor as the tool to use when dealing with the curse. Mm. Sin entered in, the ground is now cursed. You will toil and labor over the ground because it's cursed. That's Genesis 3 and 17. Furthermore, after sin had contaminated the soil, God pointed to labor as a tool to use when dealing with the curse that had caused the ground to no longer spontaneously yield fruit. At that moment, physical labor, toiling, and the sweat of the brow became the divinely sanctioned means to extract the now reluctant fruit. Mm. So now, what once was easy, which now once we just walk to, you know, pluck a fruit, now we have to toil and sweat and struggle. And again, that's a foreshadowing. Now that you explained it like that, I mean, really think about it. God was letting us see as he recounted what the Garden of Eden was. It wasn't, it wasn't, we were never meant to toil. The whole purpose was to have a relationship with God. The whole purpose was for us to just, you know, be in his presence and, again, you know, just be. But because of the choices that were made, now there's a fight to weed out that thing that causes, you know, now you got to separate everything when it was already separated. Now you got to work at it where at one time you didn't have to work at it. Mm-hmm. And then it's showing how God now has to, now he, because the thing is now he has to work at making sure that we see what he sees. Because before, it was like, and one thing I I truly believe, again, if they would have gone and asked him what was good and evil, he could have explained it without them having to go through, without us having to go through what we're going through now. But because of, the less of the eye, the less of the flesh and everything. We we went about our own way and that's how it's been ever since. And and it's like, oh my goodness. And he's just like, this is what now, he wants us to see what he has to do. He wants us to see how now he has to make sure that the weeds don't overcome the grass, that the wheat is not suffocated by the tear, that everything is is done decent and in order so that nothing is is overcome and overran. But if we neglect it, it will die. If if we don't if we don't do our part it won't it won't bear fruit or the seed won't take it all. And so that's what he's dealing with 
when it comes to our spirit. He's like, this is what I'm dealing with in your spirit every day. What you have to deal with in the natural, that's what I'm dealing with in the spirit, all because of one man's choice. And that's something really like, wow, sorry. Even though we didn't do it, like, sorry. You know, so, amen. 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 Furthermore, after sin had contaminated the soil, God pointed to labor as a tool to use when dealing with the curse. That had caused the ground to no longer spontaneously yield fruit. At that moment, physical labor, toiling, and the sweat of the brow became the divinely sanctioned means to extract the now-reluctant fruit. Jesus left no doubt about his mission when he announced that in order to set people free, he had come to destroy the devil's empire and his ruinous manifestations in their lives, Luke 4, 18-21. The double empire was not an abstract idea. <clears throat> the devil's empire was not an abstract idea, but a domain firmly entrenched in society to the point that it directly or indirectly it controlled everyday life, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, 6, 11, and 12. To destroy this wicked system, Jesus had to dismantle and replace his worldwide societal structure. This is why, he, this is why his objective was not only revival in the temple or in the myriad synagogues dotting the Roman Empire and beyond centers, and of the Roman Empire and beyond, centers where God-fearing people congregated regularly. It was also to bring salvation to the people most enslaved by sin in pagan societies all over the world. Jesus' strategy was twofold. First, to redeem humankind, which he did through his astonishing death, I mean his atoning death, and then to let the captives know what they had been set free. The latter required the launching of something not new, the church, Matthew 16, 18 through 19. To recruit leadership for this new entity, Jesus reached into the marketplace instead of the ratified religious circles in Jerusalem. This is why his disciples, the backbone for the divine vehicle designed to change the world, were definitely marketplace people, as we will see in the next chapter. And that is our lesson for today. All right, question comes, criticism, complaint. Oh, Lord. Oh. I don't have any complaints, but I do have a comment, though. I was really, um, hesitant. That's a good word. There you go. Hesitant about listening to this, um, reading in this book. But now I get it. So thanks, Sam, for being for reading this book. And all right, I'm going to be I'm going to bed. Okay, I'm gonna leave. I'll be nice to you today. Just leave long. How about that? 
I appreciate that. I do. Thank you so much. For a moment. Uh, <laughs> you just got extra quiet. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you played too much. Okay. No. <laughs> Oh, gosh, you paid too much. I'm well, the thing is, it's challenging you where you need to be challenged at. It's, it's, it's breaking it down. It's making it plain as day. And you're either going to line up or you're not. It's no, there's nothing for you to hide behind. That's what's going on. It's, I won't say I was, see, here's the thing. I was telling, I was I was having a conversation with God. I'm like, here's, here's my thing. Where I, my outlook on life is strategic for a reason. And I might sound like, yeah, I'm tiptoeing through the tulips or whatever, but I know where my mind can go. So for me, it's about balance. So what you hear may sound like I'm tiptoeing through the tulips and trying to find utopia and all this other stuff, but it's like that thing where I say you got to watch what you say and watch what you do and things of that nature, I can tip way over on the other side. And so for me, what you hear is me balancing it out. I was talking to a friend of mine, and and I, it, I was having one of those days. I was just having one of those days, and... I said, I'm not going to repeat what I said because I shouldn't have said it out of my mouth to begin with. And she kind of looked at me and she went, okay, can we have the bright side today? Because that just took all the sun out of my day. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I said, "Let let let me go back. And I had to, you know, and I had to revert back to what you call my happy, happy, joy, joy. Because the thing is, I, you know, what I, what, what the dots that he has me connecting, and the things that he has me seeing, it's not all roses. But if I let myself dwell there, if I let myself go there, if I let my eyes stay there, if I, if I start letting myself be like, oh, I'm going through hell and things like that, I know where where I'll end up because I was there and I stayed there for 10 years. And so it was like I lost myself there. And so if, if it means to have others proceed, and that's why, that's why I get, I don't know, you probably catch it every once in a while, 
I get irritated when people say I'm being too happy or I'm being too positive or I'm being whatever. But it's it's either that or the other. And I've been in the other. So, but but now that I've seen what God can do and I've been listening on the line and I've, you know, and, and hearing the experiences and seeing them and then being on the receiving end of some of it, I can say and, and be um, and, and and sound like, oh, everything is rosy, because it is. As long as I keep my eyes on what God has put before me. If I look at anything else, it's a wash. And I've done that. I did that for so long. And it's like, it's like if you keep your eyes on where you are feeling downtrodden and everything is effed up and everything is just, you know, this is broken and this breaks down and this is due and that's due and this person is coming at you and this one is stupid as all out and all these attacks are coming at you and you start voicing it and looking at it and negativity will constantly be your verbiage. Negativity will constantly be in your thought process. Negativity will be the thing that will have you looking at the situation and not trying to see the positive at all. So I look at everything as a glass half full, even though I'm like, damn, where'd the other half go? In my mind, I might think that, but I purposely make what comes out my mouth sound like, you know what, it's raining outside, but look, there's a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. So, therefore, when I speak positivity, then the enemy cannot come at me and say anything about what has been said. I did not open that door. I did not let him have access because the thing is he doesn't know our thoughts. But when we start voicing negativity, then that gives him a foothold into, oh, let me put my toe in there. And let me now open the door wide on negativity, on fear, on anger, on angst, on Okay, let me let's build on this doubt. Let's build on this discouragement. Let's build on this because now I'm inside the door and I can wreak havoc on whatever and I can use the people in your life because you've opened that door with your mouth. And so and I've noticed the difference as long as I stay positive. My whole atmosphere stays balanced, and there is no, there is no, uh, there is no failure. There is no fear. There is everything is on one level, and then God talks, and I hear. But when I let fear, when I start letting doubt be spoken into my life, or fear become something that I say, then 
that's what I notice an imbalance in my life and in my seven degrees of separation. So it's not so much as, again, it's not so much as I see everything rosy, but it's about speaking everything rosy so that I can be able to do what needs to be done. So I just thought I'd let that be out there, and now I'm going on mute. Okay. Anybody else? Are you doing prayer right now? No, just talking about the lesson. Oh, okay. I'm good. Uh, You want to say something, Mark? Okay, anybody else got comments going once? Mark, you said got comments going twice. Comments going three times. All right, prayer request. Who wants to go first? Well, you can pray for me. Yeah. Can Sam hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll take me a second. Okay. Okay. Pray for her family, Father. Thank you, Father God, for moving in her family's life. And allowing your word to increase. Continue, Holy Spirit, to touch, to minister, to heal, to anoint, to direct their steps. Continue, Father God, to allow the anointing and the power of God to flow inside of them so they too will seek you and choose to come to another level. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And now we're going to pray for Pamela.
Boko de Kararokom, Boske de Gondroske de Komboko, Drandrekosada, Boko de Dirkom, Brandiske de Kom, Brandiske de Kosa, de Dirkosada, Hombrandrekose, Shirkose, Yashashas, Father Hondo Kondrekosa Daka, Horoboske de Kose, Dirkosandaka, or Shiridkose, Shidiske de Kombraka, Horandirkose, Shirkosada, Hundredkose, Shirkose, 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 Father God, we praise the name We glorify you, Father. Amen. All right, ready? Um, I'm about to say Sherry. Um, Renee? Nene? Renee? Are you there? Hello. Oh. <laughs> hey. That's orange, it looks brown to me. All right, well, Renee not there, so who's next? Well, I'm good, so if... <laughs> Felicia said, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Amen. Amen. She's doing a ride number. I didn't ask for prayer. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just, you know, wanted to make that clear. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know and since you're so good, that's why Pam about to pray for you right now. So go ahead, Pam, pray for your sister. Okay, that's what I get for laughing. That's that work. <laughs> Okie dokie. How are you today, Miss Felicia? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that's my line. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Yeah, it it didn't sound very convincing, but okay, I'm gonna work with you. No problem. No problem. <laughs> that okay. was my statement. Yes, I'm good. <laughs> yes. All is well. But that, but there was no power behind that. It was like, mm, I'm good. At least right now, what you got? What you got? What you got? All is well. All is well. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yep. I understand. We take positivity on any level. (laughs) Okay, Father, I come to you today to lift up Sister Felicia, thanking you for for your daughter, thanking you for her presence on, on our call, thanking you, Father, for the discernment that you impart on her, in her, and thanking you, Father, that she is obedient in sharing 
even when she may choose to be quiet. We thank you, Father, for working in her to, to bring her out of herself because she has so much to share and to teach, and that can't be done if she stays in the background. Father, we know that she prefers to be out of the limelight, but yet the light keeps shining on her. Father, we just pray that she becomes comfortable in that light, knowing that it is being shown by you and not anyone else. That when she walks into that light, that she is walking into your love, into your embrace, and that it will not harm her, that it will only help her and guide her. Father, we just feel that we pray that she continues to feel your presence in all that she does as she is taking these steps along a path that she isn't quite sure of because we know you only like the path so many steps in advance, and we have to feel our way through. So, Father, we just pray that she remembers that you are the one that is guiding her, that you are making her steps solid and that as she continues to trust and to have faith in you, Father, that she will not she will not fall. She may falter a little bit, but that's when she has doubt, not you. Mm. So we just pray, Father, that she remembers who she is and that you have already orchestrated the plan she has but to follow it. Father, we thank you for your unconditional love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pam. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Who else wants prayer? Who else wants prayer? Who else wants prayer going once? Who else wants prayer going twice? Who else wants prayer going three times? Okie doke doke. Somebody pray for me when we get out of here. All right. That's a sad. Brother Sam, Brother Sam, Brother Sam. Have you ever noticed how your van is like your life sometimes? What? Chaotic, confused, and not 100% new? Mm. But it still keeps going. Uh, like right now it needs an emissions test and, you know, the door won't stay closed and little minor hiccups and things like that, you know. And I was thinking about that earlier when he was like, yeah, you need to get your emissions test and they needed to look at this and that and the other. And, um... The question is, when was the last time you let God do a diagnostic on you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was on the phone with Erica and Mark, 
And here's the thing, you know, after he did the diagnostic and he said, you know, he came out with what needed to be done, did you let him do the work? Or did you say you could do this and this? But I really don't have time right now to take off for you to do this. But you could, you know, because the thing is, oh, Lord, okay. Let me sit up. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because, man, I was about to go to sleep right there, right there. But um, because the thing is, with the diagnostic that he did, he showed you some things. He showed you some things where a couple of things that that he showed you was like, I need you to step outside of time and put everything on hold. And he was like, yeah, but I got to do this, that, and the other. It's time for you to take care of you. Because the thing is, if you break down, what everybody else going to do? Because you are the sole provider of transportation. The sole, S-O-U, S-O-U-L, not S-O-L-E, S-O-U-L. Provider of transportation. And if you break down, where does that leave everybody else? So if that means that you need to take, you know, several days, if that means that, be, hold on one second, be careful. Is he coming? Okay. All right. Let Jesus cover you. See you Sunday. Or in passing. Love you. Bye. You ain't got to be mad. <laughs> say, say bye. Bye. Bye, Isaiah. That's Makia. Makia. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, you you have to let him do the overhaul. Let him, you know, redo your transmission and all of that. Do do the whole thing in in once, once and done. Stop being so stubborn. Oh my gosh, that that is like the that ooh ooh. You're like that person that just likes to pluck people in the forehead, and 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 it's just like ooh this this 
do it already. So just just let let God be God and do the overhaul that He wants to do. Because the thing is, you know, once He does it, you know, if you were to take the time and let Him do the whole thing in one at one time that everything will run smooth. You know that, but you're being stubborn. You're being stubborn, and everything that you ministered to me and Lisa and Erica and Mark, it comes back to you. Let him do the work. Let him do the work. You know that, yes, you have two ninety three ninety one year olds and a 19-year-old. He will work it for you to be able to do exactly what needs to be done for them to be taken care of while he takes care of you. So let him do it. Plucking your forehead now, Sam. Let him do it. Let him do it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 And now he's quiet. All right, I'm going to mute. Love you. Uh, that's you, Renee. No, that's so me. Yes, it was. Okay. Okay. Are uh, you ready for your prayer? Yes, I am. All right. Hi, Father God. Let me lift up Nene. Randigo dedico, but critical, bradico, sessical, sundrandigo, sessical, sessical, seracan draca, randigo dedica, sessical, sessual, randrasco, comprandigo sata, randigo dedica dedico, who father got near the combo scattered a combo dedica, sended the combo, or randigo sandash, cutter combo, randasca, the combo cosata, randigo sessional, 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 Hundred of station of go station, Randy go station of Randy go Daka, Harandy go digger go state, did go Sadaka, Handrandy go digger at a gander, but Randy go digger did go Rombuskid at a gandaka, she did go boskid at a gandaka. Thank you, Father God, for moving in her heart and her life. You're a ghost at a gandaka. Continue to let your word increase. You're a compost cut at a ganda. Let the anointing increase. You're a Randy go station Continue, Father God, yet to shift in her, Father, yet to cause a change in her, Lord, so she will begin to understand how the significance of your anointing, the significance of your word, the significance of your spirit, Lord, continue to shift in her, Father, so she allow things to properly line up, so that you can use her in an unexpected and peculiar way. Continue to shift in her father. Hombo Karade Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Darkosa de Tirkomposa Dike Yararakanda Shakada. In Jesus' name I pray, man. Amen. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Anybody else want prayer before we get off this line? Good morning. Afternoon. Uh, good morning, good afternoon to you too. I wasn't sure. I feel like I might have gotten some prayer already, but I don't know. Now, you always need more, girl, you know. Well, well, well. Mm-hmm. Let, the, let the truth be told. So, matter of fact, you need so much promo let Renee and Pam pay for you right now. So, y'all go ahead first. Okay, who is this for? I'm not, I'm not associating the name with voice. Sam? I said Felisa. Oh, Felicia? Okay. Hey, Lisa, how you doing? Not Felicia. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. What you say, Sam? Felisa. L-E-S-A. Yeah, I said Lisa. I said Felicia. No, I said Lisa. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, Lisa, today we're praying for you for strength, endurance, patience, and a willing heart to stand steadfast and well-footed, grounded in your passion for your school, and that's going to take a lot of of your will. We already know that you're grounded and standing on God's word, but now there is much that you need to apply in order for things to go through. Uh, you're feeling the twists and turns of the rust that you're trying to get this machine going. But your workman's gloves is there, your oil is there, as long as you keep up your determination and keeping it in the right perspective. Don't let naysayers nor distractions deviate you from your calling. It's going to feel weary. It's going to be rough. But just like working off to get off 300 pounds, it's going to be worth it when you see see what God has for you. He's there for you. Your tools are there, but your endurance has got to be there as well. And also still presenting unconditional love, kindness, and the 
outpouring of your passion for what he has you going through. In the name of the Son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, or rather. Amen, sister. Thank you. Good afternoon. You're welcome. Hello. Hello. Can you hear? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I said good afternoon. Good afternoon, ma'am. How are you? I'm okay. How are you today? You know what? I'm just watching the movie. Good, very good, very good. Hmm. Father, we come to you today to lift up Sister Lisa, thanking you, Father, for this child of yours, thanking you for her contribution to this call as well. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you are bestowing upon her, and we thank you, Father, for binding the efforts of the enemy because he is busy. And she continues, Father, to to follow the path that you are leading her on. When she takes a step forward, the enemy is trying to push her two steps back. We thank you, Father, for making her strong. We thank you, Father, that she is relying on you, knowing that you have not brought her this far to drop her now. Father, we just pray that she continues to have positive people in her life who are going to continue to uplift her when she starts to to slide a little bit, to to push her, to, to, to straighten her up and to remind her of who she is, to to help remind her father to stay in you and not in herself and to to focus on you, Father, so that she can hear you when you instruct her on how to go and where to go. Father, we thank you for continuing to cover her, for strengthening her hedge of protection. Father, we thank you for highlighting the people and the situations that need to be minimized in her life. And we thank you, Father, for giving her the strength to do what she needs to do, to be stronger in you and in herself. Father, we thank you for your unconditional love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Give me a minute.
Alright. Alright, you ready, Lisa? Hello? Now, you know her phone may have gone out on her. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give her a moment while I find the bug spray. Sorry about that. I um cut myself off trying to take it off me. <laughs> I think it that's what it was. It was your phone. <laughs> I'm here. I just call back in. Okay. You'll be right back. Uh-huh. All right. You ready? Uh-huh. All right. Yes. Okay, you book around the go set she the combo cran the go delegate a combo cran the go set she the combo run the go set the combosked at a gun run the go to the combo delegacy the combo run the go to the shed the combosked at the gun run the go delegate the combo cata. Hundred go set she the go set she the go set she the run the gun run the delegate the go delegate the go set the cantaca. Hundred go delegate the run the go delegacy the go rumba delegacy the cataca. Hundred from Bondi Gossi to Gossi, Rondo Kodigaraka, from Bokuski to Gossi, the Gossi, the Gossi, the Gossaraka, the Gobaska, the Gonda, the Gossandaka. Now, in that unique way, Lord, move in her heart and in her life. In that unique way, Father, shift, touch, and encourage. In that unique way, Father, rise up and show her that you are God. Encourage her as you continue to maneuver her steps. Orchestrate the path for her to walk so she can become the fullness of who you call her to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All right. All right, anybody else? Okay. All right, anybody else? Well, I'm just going to say... <laughs> 
Oh, I know I want to pray for. Um, well, let me pray for my group. Father, let me lift up Kyle. Ronnie, go, Ronnie, go, Ronnie, go, see the go, book. Ronnie, Kassam, Brandon, Horam, Brandon, go, see she, go, see she, go, Saragara, Lorenzo, Ronnie, Vega, Ronnie, Ron, Brandon, go, see she, go, Saragara, Iris, Ron, Brandon, go, see she, go, see she, go, Saragara, the gentleman called Ronnie, 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 go to the go to the train area, Ronnie, Ronnie, go, Ronnie, go, Ronnie, go, listen, no, Ronnie, Ronnie, go, see the go, see the Tony Brooks, you know, Ronnie, and everybody else knows that you're Ronnie, Ronnie, go to the go to the go, see she, go, Saragara, Saragara. Lord, let me lift up Susie. Yara go, go, skid, there's a combo skid. Yes, Father God, we praise your name. We cause a shift to occur. We cause a change to manifest. We speak against death right now in the name of Jesus. Let your true life and light begin to rise and shine in her heart, so she will see and seek your face. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. It seemed like it was somebody else. Uh, okay. Can't think of anything right now. Somebody else. You pray for the lady at Home Depot? The That's one who said praise God but didn't believe in him? Yeah, that's a strange lady. You call a strange lady? Change, C-H-A-N-G-E, change lady. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I guess that's it, Lordy. Oh, okay, well, if it is, it is for the day. So, anyway. This is live. Leave. You want to leave? Now it's your fault. All right. Anybody else want to pray going once? Got you. Anybody else want to pray going twice? Anybody else want to pray going three times? Okay, well, I'm going to say au revoir, and I will holler at y'all later. Hey, everyone. Have a blessed day. Bye. Bye. You all as well. Have a blessed one.
Hello? Hello? Hello from the other side.
with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.